It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Sanborn, the host of Counterculture. I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, we had introducing us, the music coming in was none other than James Brown from the live concert in Paris in 1971. His, his song, Ain't It Funky Now? And that's why uh, we call this Funky Fridays with Counterculture. What was interesting is that was uh, an exciting concert uh, in Paris in 1971, but three years earlier was actually a very historic moment, perhaps one of the more significant concerts in history when uh, James Brown uh, uh, performed at the Boston Garden. And uh, he it was right after the assassination of Martin Luther King, and many attributed his desire to continue to perform and bring people together was part of the healing that happened in the city and that many people say that he saved Boston that night by bringing people together. So uh, so we bring that spirit of bringing people together on Funky Fridays with Counterculture. Counterculture is uh, – the reason I we, we have this show is we want to see – there's a lot of division in our world and it's no more evident. It seems like it's more and more evident every day, doesn't it? It seems like there's just people are just – fighting and shouting, and uh, the world almost seems to be falling apart. Yet in the middle of that, Christ calls us to be peacemakers. And so we want to find the people who are building bridges and bringing people together, crossing the aisle and uh, learning from them and hearing their stories and hopefully growing to become the way Christ wants us to be. So really excited. So our guest today is the is my friend and colleague, uh, Adrian Lewis. He is the Chief Innovation Officer of Care Portal, and he's calling in from Kansas City. So welcome, Adrian Lewis. Good afternoon, brother. How you doing? Doing fantastic. Are you freezing there? No, it's nearly 90 degrees, man. It's hot. 90? That's right. That's right. We got 15 degrees on you, but for Kansas City, that's got to be with the humidity. I think we're about equal, right? You're already over 100 on June 2nd. 100, wow. 105, baby. Oh man. So, but Not jealous. that's okay. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited to have you, Adrian. Um, as just in full disclosure, Adrian also uh, is in the leadership of the Global Orphan Project and. Ha- could technically fire me if I <laughs> asked the wrong question <laughs> or say the wrong thing. No, but I know he wouldn't do that. But he, uh, on, but just in full disclosure, but but no, Adrian and I have been working together for three years. He's a, a dear friend, and I when I thought of this show, he was one of the first people I thought of having on here. His heart and his life of caring for the vulnerable, and uh, the platform that we both get to be involved in with Care Portal, I think, just fits right in with the show. Adrian spent the first 10 years of his career serving as a business development professional in healthcare and in technology and education. But then in 2007, God turned his uh, life upside down, and I'll let him tell you about that. So he left the business world and ended up working with the Global Orphan Project. And he also is a foster and adoptive parent and uh, helped develop Care Portal, which uh, believes that the church uh, can play a central role in helping caring for the 
the local children and families in crisis right in our cities. So please welcome Adrian Lewis. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So I'd love to first, let's just get started. I want to hear about your story, your journey your, from corporate America to helping children. Yeah, um, man, it's hard to know exactly where to begin, but I, I will just start at that trip in Haiti, 2007. I was uh, recently married and uh, not planning on changing my life a whole lot, but got called to, got invited, really, to go on a trip to Haiti with a, a friend and didn't know him well, but he said, what do you think about coming? And I was like, all right, let's, let's try that. And so a few months later, uh, we had the chance to go. My wife got to come at the very last minute, which was awesome. And so I'm four months into being married. And we're a blended family, and I'm trying to figure out life with her. We both knew the Lord. But I'd only been a believer for three or four years at that point in time, so really new. Um, and and we were living a you know a decent life, but certainly not I wouldn't say pursuing the things of the Lord at the time. So we go on this trip, and you know I'm 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 face to face with some really uh, hard things. It, mm-hmm. and, and one of the biggest things that hit me was. And nothing I have ever done earned me my life. Nothing. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose who my parents were. I didn't choose the opportunities that I've had. I I didn't choose any of that. Sure, I I worked hard with what I was given, but I didn't choose all the things that mattered the most. And, And when I was in Haiti, the reality that those folks didn't choose either. They didn't choose the poverty that they live in. They didn't, they didn't choose the country they were born in. They didn't choose to be orphaned, if that was their scenario. And it was a humbling, humbling mm-hmm. experience. And I think God, um, the truth of Scripture is that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And, mm-hmm. and that was a, an experience that brought me closer to the ground mm-hmm. than I had been. And, and so God used that to then open my mind and heart and my wife we, we, her name is Cynthia. We, we felt like on that trip, we experienced the Lord together. And he, he said, not in words, but in, and in spirit to change your life and to pursue me and to pursue me in a way that was aggressive, not mm. passive, that was action oriented. And, uh, and our call was for my wife to quit her job and become a stay home mom to have my little kids at the time. And they became her kids. And that was the beginning of our journey of being faithful and and stepping out and taking risks. Yes. Um, that, that was the beginning. Usually before any anything big God does in our life, there's usually a preceding humility or humbling that has to happen, isn't it? And I think that's Amen. common. It, I think it's so common in America. We think we're self-made. We think we work hard enough and we do our thing. We are, we're going to be successful. Yet that, you know, that God just kind of flipped that over, didn't he? Totally, totally flipped it over. And, and from that experience of uh, my wife quitting her job, which meant we couldn't pay our bills, mm-hmm. and we, she was becoming mom to kids that she didn't raise, and, and there's all kinds of crazy things that God was, was building our faith in. He totally provided for us in ways we couldn't have imagined over time, and, uh, and, and through that process, we got really close to the Global Warfare Project and the people who led that ministry, and and three years later, we're, we're big givers, we're, we're big goers, we're, we're volunteering, and, um, and then I got asked, 
you know, do I want to leave my company and join the Go Project? Mm. The CEO, Joe Kinetic, asked me to do that. I prayed on it, and I got to tell you, man, uh, I really felt like I was spiritually ready when I was when, I <laughs> made, when the invitation was made. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was sitting at the kitchen table, you know, three weeks or so after being invited to do this, I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I was with my accountant. And my accountant was like, well, here's your here's how much money you got in the bank, and here's here's how much money you made this year, and here's how much you owe in taxes, and yada, yada. And, and it just hit me. My, my hesitation was because I was comfortable. Mm. I had grown comfortable in my, in my li- livelihood, you know? Mm. And when that, when that conviction smacked me upside the head, I knew the right answer was to leave that because it's a, it's a fallacy. There's no mm. comfort that you can get in your material goods and security and so on. And so I go to my wife, who had already, by the way, said, Adrian, I'm all in. She's amazing. Uh-huh. And, uh, amazing. and I gone to her and I said, man, honey, I think I'm supposed to do this. And I think it's now. And she's like, let's go. So beginning of 2010, I left my company and joined the Go Project. And it has been the most amazing transformational journey. Wow. I'm not the same man I was a decade ago. And wow. gosh, this has been so, so big. Oh, and the impact that's, I mean, and, and, and you're still, you're just in the, getting started in some ways. You're 10 years in, but there's a lot ahead <laughs> that's exciting. But, Amen. Uh, but yeah. it, it, I can imagine in my three years, these last three years have been some of the best years of my life and seeing, seeing God at work. Um, so that's ah, I love to hear that. a, absolutely exciting. So what is the Global Orphan Project? Yeah, so the Global Orphan Project is all about helping local kids and families in crisis through the local church. We do that in Kampala, Uganda. We do that in Liberia. We do that in Haiti. We do that in the United States, in Kansas City. We do it in California, Arizona. And and how we do it changes a little bit from context to context. But we believe in our heart of hearts that God has designed the local church to be the hands and feet, to be the agent of transformation in the world. Mm. And, I mean, think about all that's going on in our world right now between COVID and, and racism and, and just this, this craziness. It, it's no more apparent to me now than ever that if the Church rises, healing happens inside and out. Mm. And if the Church doesn't, we put our trust in things that don't matter, and we fall. Mm. That's absolutely you. So you have a big view of the church of its role. It's not just Sunday service and keeping people, you know, teaching them and just making them comfortable. Or is it? Oh man, that makes me nauseous. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really, it makes me nauseous because if you if we look at the life of Jesus and those who followed him, there's nothing comfortable or safe about what they did, how they lived. They literally gave their lives away. Mm -hmm. And if we're not trying to do that, then all we really follow is Jesus. Yes. And that's it. Like, that's kind of the the bottom line. And so how we do that varies from person to person. I've personally been called into 
caring for the, the orphan and being a fostered parent and mobilizing churches to, to do that kind of thing. But you might be called to care for prisoners or whatever. I mean, there's all, all kinds of opportunities. But man, if we're sitting idle, we can't be pretending that we're following Jesus because there was nothing idle or safe or secure about how he lived. Mm. So you brought up, well, by the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We are speaking with Adrian Lewis, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at Care Portal. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, we've, we've seen, we're, we've had issues like children in foster care for a long time, and a lot of these issues have, hap- have been present in our society. Yet now, in the last three or four months, it seems to be on steroids. There's, the crisis is mm. th- so much more suffering. So can you, can you tell me what this si- current situation is doing to the suffering of children in, in America? So I'm going to make a statement uh, and then and go from there. The statement is that foster care in our country is ground zero for the status of the country. Okay? So why do I say that? Well, the most vulnerable people in any society are the ones who show us the heart of that society. And in our country, how we care for the kids who are in and around foster care is the reflection of how we are health-wise, heart-wise as a nation. And Mm -hmm. so when you think about, well, how did kids by and large get into foster care in the first place? Most of them are not there because of abuse. Some are, Mm -hmm. like 20%. But most of them are there because of neglect. Mm -hmm. And most of neglect, not all, but most, is due to poverty. And so you have people who are struggling, who are who are at the edge of being able to make it, and something goes wrong. A ticket doesn't get paid. Somebody goes to the hospital. A car breaks down. You lose your job. Something happens, and they go from being on the edge to off the edge, mm. right? And, and when that happens, things unravel. And maybe for you and me and people listening to this, it's not... Like if, if I, I lost my job right now or I got sick or my wife got sick or I didn't pay a ticket or whatever, there's so many levels of right. support around me that it would it's nearly impossible. I, I would have to fall off the edge over and over and over and over and over again to actually get off the edge. Right. But for a lot of folks, they're already on the edge. And so so why do we see more crisis happening right now? Because millions of people are losing their jobs. And the people who didn't have much in the bank in the first place, what the heck are they going to do? They're, how do they recover from this? And right. so you end up with kids more neglected and don't even think about, talk about what happens when parents are stressed out, who ends up getting the brunt of it. Well, right. the most vulnerable, right? So you get more abuse now because you get more parents who are stressed out. They don't want to be doing what they're doing, but right. it's happening. Now they're parents, so they're, they're working, they're, teacher, they're, they're now the teachers of their kids, they're doing it all. Man, and yeah, they're, they're trying to do it all. They're not yeah. doing it all, right? They're they're failing everywhere, right? And that's crushing. And so, man, if I could say something to people listening, it would be: if you are not in that situation, it's even hard to imagine. But believe me, you know that when you're stressed, you start to take it out on the people around you, 
and uh, just amplify that by really having no safety net to, right. to rely on. Abs- I think there's so many, like even in my current situation, you know, we, we're working from home, we're t- we've had to school our kids and it's been pretty stressful and I could imagine if I was on the verge of losing my home or I lost my job you throw in a few uh, just a couple more stressors it could just mm-hmm. be almost unbearable so for even the for, yeah it's, it's, it just seems that way but yet there like as you said there's this we have oftentimes we have connections and support mechanisms members in church so what opportunity does this give to the local church to get involved yeah, so in the U.S., let's talk about that specifically. Care Portal is a platform we developed. I think you may have shared this with listeners before, but in short, it's a technology platform that connects children and families in crisis through vetted agencies that we partner with, with churches and people who care that want to help. So think of Uber at its simplest format, right? You've got people who need a ride, people who can drive cars for them. Care Portal, simply put, helps to make the vetted connection between those in crisis and those that want to help in any local community. And so we build these networks, this ecosystem of, of people who want to help and so on, in city by city and county by county. And so in, in Phoenix and in Arizona, where you guys are, man, getting your church involved, say, yes, we want to see and meet the needs of kids and families in crisis around us. Let's go to careportal.org and sign our church up and and build a response team. And it's as simple as saying, are we willing to get an email or a text or a notification through the app that tells us that there's a child in need and what they need and, and how we might be able to help them? And if we're willing to see that, then we can choose. Do we want to help on this one? Can we help on this one? Do we let this one go by? And when you have a network of dozens and dozens of churches in a city who have who've opted into this this platform, then everybody doesn't have to do everything, but everybody can do something, and even a little thing. And if we all did that, we would be able to love our neighbors through all of this crazy crisis. Careful to help make that happen. Abso- it is, it's absolutely a, it's, it's a great example. It's the chance for the people in the church to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's not like a box in the in the lobby from to drop some things and some items. Not that that's always wrong, but this is the opportunity to go face to face, door to the door of someone who's really hurting and needs help and and needs Jesus. And uh, over right. Christmas, I took my daughters to bring some car seats to a a single mom, and she was was given a van, but didn't have car seats for her. Uh, for the kids, and so she needed five car seats <laughs> to pack them in. And so we we hauled in five car seats and got to meet her. And my daughters walked in a home of probably the of of a, of a, a very very low income, probably that, that my daughters had never seen. It. And it was eye opening. It was a very important part of their growth and and development. But that happens every day here in Phoenix. Are those of those mm-hmm. connections, those chances to meet the people in needs, and so that and Care Portal makes that happen. So what would you tell yeah. a pastor who is busy and there's lots of things going on, and then why do something like Care Portal? Yeah, so pastor, what, what is the goal you have, the vision you have for your church? Uh, is it that they show up on Sundays, or is it that they grow in their love for Jesus 
that they love their neighbors and they become disciples? Is it that they make disciples? Is, is that the journey you want people to be on? And I, I think for most pastors, the answer is absolutely. They, they want to live that out and help people live that out. And Care Portal is a very real-time mechanism to actually do that, because the vetted needs come from these agencies that we've partnered with, and the pastor's job and the church leadership's job is to just let people in the, in the pews opt into that. And so you don't have to manage the whole thing. You have to just give people vision and access, and, and that's what CarePoll is doing. And in this time, if I can even, you know, we're, we're in this crazy season of upheaval in this very moment, mm-hmm. and you've got anger and division um, all over the place. I, I personally am a—my my dad is black. My mother is an immigrant from Armenia. I grew up in a in between these worlds that are, are at odds right now that we're, we're trying to reconcile. And I have tons of experience, even to the point of my dad being imprisoned and shot as a police officer, black police officer shot because he's black. Mm. I have a ton of lived experience of racism being part of part of my my life. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I I grew up with a mom who led with love and forgiveness and engaged people mm. wherever they were. Huh. And I grew up with a dad who who didn't feel like anger and, and revenge was the solution, but it was to fight for the underdog was the solution mm. and to do the best with what you've got. And so I take all that context and I drop it into this conversation. I say, you know what, Pastor, if you want to stand for justice and and what Jesus stood for, the best thing you can do is give your people real opportunities to engage face-to-face with people who are not like them. And Care Portal is a way to do that and to learn who your neighbor is and to love them where they are. Man, what kind of walls could, could come down if the church just did that? Absolutely. So is Care Portal about, about racial reconciliation? Well, it's not our primary objective, but it is totally, totally a byproduct of the church being the church and taking action into uncomfortable places. And so if we're trying to fight for a solution here at church and, and to be what Jesus called us to be, I just want to encourage church, just take the step of loving your neighbor where they are, and these walls come down. It really puts a face to what churches should be doing. It gives that opportunity. So it's not just concept. It's not a PowerPoint. It's not a powerful message on Sunday. It really is getting your hands dirty and smelling poverty and seeing the broken and, and stepping into the lives of those who are, are most in need. And so I really think we're on to something here of uh, giving people that opportunity. Now, Care Portal isn't the only way to do that. Uh, there's many other ways to serve. This is one way. Uh, but we give – we wanted to provide people with uh, tangible, vetted needs uh, to, to local churches so they can step in and get involved. And so if you're interested at all, uh, go to careportal.org and you can learn more about what we're doing uh, to help children here in Phoenix locally, uh, what we're doing to help families in, uh, in crisis that are going through um, – the have lost jobs and, have, and are really suffering over the last few months – and just uh, just so we understand that we're getting ready for a 
overwhelming amount of trouble that is going to happen in the next few months with people have when we're looking at 20 30 percent of the population that's lost work or people are going to be getting evicted so more than ever the church needs to be ready to step in and and help and say here I am Lord I send me to my neighbor uh, help me meet the need of, of those who are uh, who you've put in my path you've put in on my street or in my zip code or in my city who I can help so, uh, Adrian, this has just been a fantastic conversation. Any uh, closing words that you'd want to share with uh, – not everyone is a, a churchgoer on this call, but anything closing words mm-hmm. you want to share with, with people on the call? Yeah. You know, for, for anyone on the call, um, there's an opportunity to take action and to live beyond ourselves. Um, so, you know, whether you go to church or whether you're even a Christian or not a Christian, what we're talking about – you still have a seat at the table and an opportunity to be involved. And so you too can sign up and, and see needs that are out there. And, and you'd meet them through the help of a local church who would be accountable at the point of care. But man, come on, you be, be part of the solution too. And at the end of all of this, uh, you're going to say something? Oh, we got to wrap it up. Thirty, We got 30 seconds. So, Yeah. Well, hey, Jonathan, we will wrap it up. Uh, you and I get to chat a lot. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, this has been great. Love hearing your story, hearing about what, what God is doing and what we can do to do more to, to connect and get involved and, and br- uh, break down some of these barriers and build bridges. Appreciate you, Adrian. Exactly. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Counterculture. We hope this has been helpful, and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.